Hey guys, this is Alan Stein Jr., keynote speaker, author, and former basketball performance coach. And I just had the pleasure of talking to the real Jason Duncan on the root of all success. And we had a phenomenal conversation. You are going to want to check this out. We talked about all things high performance, all things business, and all things leadership. It was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Well, welcome back to another episode. It's your boy, the real Jason Duncan. Today, I've got a guy who's been working with people like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. This guy's been a performance coach to some of the highest performing athletes in the NBA. And he's, he segued that into working in the corporate world as a performance coach and also a very sought after keynote speaker. This is Alan Stein Jr. He has a passion for helping business leaders change their behaviors. He has over 15 years, like I said, working with some of the highest performers in the NBA. He's written two books, which we're going to talk about at the very end of the show. So I want you to stick around to the end and listen to how you could pick up his books about maximizing your game. Like how do you, how do you get your performance level as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, no matter what you are as an executive or as a, as a, you know, sports athlete, as an athlete. I mean, how do you get your performance up? So he's a, he's a great dude, talks a lot about success and about performance. Please help me welcome Alan Stein Jr. to the show. Hey, Alan, welcome to the root of all success. Uh, it's great to be with you, Jason. Man, I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you because I love it when I get guests who can pull sports and famous people into business and figure out how those things meld because a lot of us look at athletes, entertainers, et cetera, just simply as athletes or entertainers, but we don't look at their, how they achieve success in the same way that a Bill Gates or a Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos achieve success in the business world. So how, uh, how did you first get into working with high end, high end uh, NBA players? Well, basketball was my first love and I fell in love with the game at five years old. And, and I'm so thankful that here four decades later, basketball is still a major pillar of my life. And I spent the first portion of my life <clears throat> as a very dedicated basketball player. I uh, was fortunate enough to play collegiately all the way up through Elon University in the late 90s. And while I was at Elon, I started to develop an equal love for the training side of the game, the, the strength, conditioning, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. So when I graduated college in the late 90s, I figured what could be better than combining my original love of basketball with my newfound love of strength and conditioning and performance training. So I decided to become a basketball performance coach. And I, I was able to work at two very internationally renowned high school programs here in the Washington DC area, which is where I grew up and where I currently reside. And both of those programs uh, have produced dozens of players currently in the NBA, uh, the most notable of which is Kevin Durant. 
and working at those two programs, uh, that got me some contract work with Nike basketball, Jordan brand and USA basketball. And I had an opportunity to work events for guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Steve Nash, and was able to, to see firsthand a peek behind the curtain of what it took to not only get to that level, but to sustain a high level of excellence and, and have a long career as well. And I'm very observant by nature. So I was picking up all of the clues that they were kind enough to leave behind and, and, and looking at their, their habits and their strategies and their mindsets and their disciplines and their routines. Uh, and now in the current iteration of my business and my life, I'm taking all of those things I learned from those world-class players and I teach business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives how to apply those principles to their life. And you, you teed it up perfectly. The things those guys did to be kings on the court are the same general principles that guys like you and I and your listeners can use uh, to be good at what it is that we choose to do. So when you started working with these guys, was there a moment of, uh, of this starstruck, like, holy crap, I'm working with Kobe Bryant? Or, or was it was his, it's so early that that didn't matter. Like, oh, it's just another NBA player. He's going to be something. I'm going to help him get there. What, what was it like? You know, it was a little bit of both. You know, you know, I had a chance to, to first start working with Kevin Durant when he was 15 years old. So this was before he became the Kevin Durant that everyone else is familiar with. He was, he was just a teenager. So, you know, in that case, you know, I, I certainly wasn't star, starstruck by a teenager when I had an opportunity uh, to work events for Kobe and LeBron you know, at that point, those guys were already established. And because I'd spent my entire life in basketball, you know, I, I had a very strong respect and, and reverence and admiration for them. So it was more of an excitement than being starstruck. You know, there, there certainly and understandably was a, a little apprehension and nervousness and even some imposter syndrome, to be honest. Um, but thankfully, I was able to quickly work through that and do everything I could to show them that I belonged and that I could add value to them and the event. So um, Kevin Durant, 15 years old, you're working with him. Was he, was it pretty clear? Cause I, cause we don't, we don't as fans, we see them as the superstars and they're really, really good. But, but every once in a while I'll watch a video of like, for instance, I saw a video of who um, Messi, I saw a video of Messi as a teenager on a soccer pitch, like goofing around juggling with, with some at the time, superstars of the soccer world and and he was as good as they were like controlling the ball as a 15 year old kid i'm like holy crap this is crazy that was kevin like that too like you're watching him on the court as a basketball player yourself thinking holy, how did he do that is, is that what happened or did he did he did he develop over time what what happened well over the landscape of actual high school basketball he was considered a late bloomer because he didn't really hit the national scene to his junior year of high school and in today's day and age, you know, with, with all of these different scouting services and huge AAU tournaments, you know, kids are often anointed now when they're 9, 10, 11 years old. So uh, on that, you know, scale, he was somewhat of a late bloomer. But, I mean, it was obvious that he had the raw materials to be an exceptional player. I mean, he certainly had the height and the athleticism. Um, he was very fundamentally sound. He was very humble and coachable. He had a tremendous work ethic. And it was obvious that he loved the game of basketball, that there was no place he'd rather be than in a gym working on his game. And when you can see those types of intangibles uh, mixed with the raw physical talent, then you know he has the potential to be a really good player. But there is no way that I knew when I met him at 15 that he would end up as one of the best scorers in the history of the game 
and certainly on the, the Mount Rushmore of current NBA players. But with that said, with the gift of hindsight, looking back, I'm not at all surprised that that's true because he had those raw materials, because he had those intangibles, you know, things like humility and coachability mixed with natural talent and a relentless work ethic. That's the recipe for being good in any area of life, not just basketball. Go through those again. I think that's something really good. You said you said two or three things there, what, uh, natural ability, talent, work, relentless work ethic. What, what were those things again? Well, as far as athleticism and sports are concerned, you do need some physical attributes. Like in the game of basketball, it obviously helps if you're on the taller side, if you happen to be coordinated and you happen to be explosive and fast. But in the real world, for us in business, those things become irrelevant. But the traits that do have high transfer, uh, one uh, is, are you humble? You know, are you humble? Because being humble is what allows you to stay open to feedback. Being humble is what allows you to stay open to being coached. Being humble is what allows you to, to, to remind yourself that no matter how good you get at your craft, you can still get better. Humility is what will actually keep the, the complacency bug from biting. Uh, Kevin also had a very deep passion for the game. You know, I'm a big believer in, in passion and purpose and whatever vocation we all choose, you know, we, we need to feel a sense of, pers uh, of purpose with it. We, we need to have a requisite passion. And even if you are, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur and you have a startup, you know, you might not have a passion for the actual um, purpose of the business, but you have a passion for being of service to others. You have a passion for finding a need in a marketplace you know, so the, the passion can be somewhat all encompassing, but those are, those are traits that, that absolutely transfer to any area of our life. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point, Alan. I, I think that the humility side of that, there's a, there's this thing that one of my mentors taught me about that it's kind of, it's called the law of humility. And it says that your humility must always exceed your ability if you want to succeed. Or, or it, it must it must exceed if you want to succeed. So in other words, if you have a tremendous ability in something, but your humility is less than that, it's going to be a stumbling block. But if your humility is slightly more than your ability, you can succeed. And so what you just said confirms that idea, that law of humility is like Kevin Durant or any of these guys, Kobe, you know, it, LeBron, any of these guys, if they don't have a level of humility that exceeds their ability, they're going to hit us. They're going to hit a ceiling. I think that's. Uh, that's oh man. I, I absolutely love that. I may have to borrow that from you. I'm, <laughs> I'm someone that has always been super fascinated by language and I love wordplay. So I, I love the, you know, the rhythm of humility and ability and exceed and succeed. You know, to me that makes things stickier and much more memorable and you're right on point, but, but I, I do want to add something to that. What makes elite performers elite performers is not only the humility, but they do a masterful job of blending that with confidence and they earn their confidence through repetition during the unseen hours. They earn their confidence by doing the work. You know, you have to have both because if you have all humility and no confidence, you'll most likely be too meek to accomplish what it is you're trying to accomplish. However, if you have all confidence and no humility, as you just so you know brought up so insightfully, you borderline being arrogant or narcissistic or cocky, and that will be to your own detriment. So the best of the best learn how to blend both. They earn the right to be confident through, you know, getting in reps during the unseen hours, but they maintain a high level of humility. And it's that blend that allows them to perform at a high level. 
What do you, let's talk about this for a second. I, I think we've hit a vein of, of a conversation. I think the listeners would be interested because while I believe what I just said to you, and obviously you believe about humility, I think we're both of the same mind. Here's my, here's my conundrum with some of that is that the guys out there that are in the business world, and, and I'm certainly, I think you could probably mention some examples from the coach, from the sports world is that they're just seem like arrogant SOBs, but they're killing it in business. So how does this fit? Like if you get, and I'm not calling Grant Cardone an arrogant SOB, but obviously he has a very high level of confidence <laughs> and, and most people might not see the humility or, or Brad Lee's a friend of mine, you know, those types of guys that are just absolutely over the top when it comes to their online presence and what they're doing, but they're also succeeding pretty high. So how do we, how do we make sense of that? And you've got Jordan was one of the, probably the cockiest and you know, most in your face dude. Like, how do you, how do you get, how do you, how do we, how do we balance out this humility thing with what we just said and said we believe with our reality of going, well, yeah, but these guys seem arrogant. How do we balance it out? Well, I love the direction you're going. And, and, and yeah, as you said, you could add sports figures to that, that as well. Um, for me, it just comes down to how you define humility. You know, humility um, is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. It's about thinking of others. It's about thinking of your goals and your dreams. It's about being of service. So I think that's part of it. But really, I just go back to what I described a few moments ago. Um, no matter how brash someone is, even if you're uh, Kobe Bryant and you're talking trash on the court or you're a Grant Cardone and you're talking trash on the mic, that doesn't necessarily mean you lack humility as long as you were still open to feedback. You were still open to being coached. That, that no matter how brash you may appear on the court or on the mic, you know you can still get better. And I think all of the folks that you just mentioned have that type of humility, that they're not complacent or satisfied with what they've already accomplished, that they still want to do more. And, and they're open to what that takes. They're open to that type of feedback and coaching. So that's just how I define humility. Um, too many people, I think, define it as kind of being passive and meek and quiet. And, and when somebody gives you a compliment, you kind of deflect it. You know, I guess that can be a type of humility, but that's not the type of humility that I see with high performers. It's more about an openness to improve and an openness to feedback and coaching. I think, I, I think your play on words there and your definition of humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. People need to rewind that and watch that again. That's really, really good. And actually Brad and I had a conversation about that on my podcast years, a couple of years ago. He said, he, he had the same definition of humility. So I was like, cause, cause I asked him, I'm pushed back a little like, hey, dude, you're, you're like over the top, but you also talk about humility. What is it? And that was his, that was his response to that. So I think that's good. I think too, that actually is probably a great definition or, or a segue into the idea of being coachable because you're a performance coach. I am a business coach. There are coaches who are at the top of the, you know, at the top of a, a team in the NBA or whatever coach ability, being able to be coached ties in with humility, as you so eloquently pointed out, but really in business and success, if you're not coachable, you can have whatever feigned humility you think you might have, but if you're not willing to let somebody go, that's not right. Do it this way. Or have you thought about it this way? You're not going to do it. I mean, you've got your, the Kobe's of the world and the LeBron's they're doing basic drills and are being taught by their performance coaches, maybe like you to do it a little bit different. And they could turn to you and go, yeah, but I'm making $18 million a year playing this game. You're telling me how to do it. Who, what gives you the right? But the reality is 
you know something they don't know because you have better perspective than they have. You're not doing it, but you have better perspective. So I think this coachability thing is really cool. What do you think about it? Oh man, you nailed it so perfectly there. And that's one of the things that I took a lot of pride in, especially when working with elite level players was I had to prove to them very quickly um, that I had some type of expertise or experience or some way to add value to them because the moment they don't think you can improve their game or make them better, then you're done. Like there, there's no way that there'll be any type of buy-in or believe in. So yeah, I, I had to be able to prove that even though I was not able to play at the level they were at, I still had things that could help tweak their game. And, you know, if we keep looking at basketball as an example, you know, you, you look at some of the best coaches of all time, you know, someone like a, a Coach K at Duke or Greg Popovich or uh, Phil Jackson, you know, some of the greatest coaches, John Wooden, some of the greatest coaches of all time were not elite level players themselves. You know, they were able to play to a certain level, but, you know, I mean, Phil Jackson played in the NBA, but he was certainly no Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. But those guys had the humility, bringing it back to that, to understand that that was not the prerequisite to someone being able to pour into them. So they, they stayed open. And that's, that's really where the coachability comes in. And for me, I've, I've come full circle on that because I have the hindsight now and the self-awareness and the humility to acknowledge that when I was younger in my teens and 20s and even early 30s, I was not very coachable. I mean, and you're talking about a lifetime athlete who played for many coaches, but I always thought I knew better. You know, I, I would often give the proverbial eye roll to something that a coach would say because I thought I knew everything. And, and that's why I have great empathy for those that aren't coachable, but I do everything in my power to encourage them to try and change and flip the switch the same way I have. You know, if you fast forward to closer to present day, I mean, this is how much I believe in coaching. As soon as I decided to leave the basketball training space and become a full-time keynote speaker, the first thing I did was hire a speaking coach. You know, when I decided to write my first book, Raise Your Game, the first thing I did was hire a writing coach. You know, when I found myself continuing to make very poor financial decisions, which we could do an entire episode just on that, I hired what I call my money coach, who's, you know, a financial advisor, a wealth advisor, but I call him money coach because that, that's something that resonates with me. So in any area of my life that I want to aim and strive for excellence and that I want to improve the first thing I do is I find a competent coach that can help me with that. And, and not only do coaches help you with, with the expertise and the experience, but they also can help you see blind spots and they can also hold you to a high level of accountability. And those two things are really, really important. You know, at present, you know, almost 48 years old, I can sit here and look at you directly and say, I know I have blind spots. Now, I don't know what they are. That's why they're blind spots. So I intentionally surround myself with people, mentors, and coaches that will help expose them. And the reason that is so important is because awareness is always the first step to improvement. And the reason I know that is you will never improve something you're unaware of. You will never fix something you're oblivious to. So one of the major values of a coach is they can bring an awareness to the blind spots that are holding you back. That is 100% right, Alan. You are spot on right there. That's that's going to be a social media clip. My editors are going to pull that out because that, this is what a coach is all about. So a coach is, a, is about perspective because we in our business or in our game as professional athletes, you know, we, we see everything through tunnel vision. We're looking down. This is what I've got to accomplish. This is what I know how to do. I'm the best in the world at it. But there's so much outside those blinders that you can't see. And that's what the coach can see. 
Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, uh, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. What Dub does, I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our uh, primary sponsor of the podcast. But they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built, Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, uh, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? <laughs> and 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door to door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? How, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions, they add the relevant hashtags, and they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today and to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that story with two Y's, 
Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story, that's S-T-O-R-Y-Y, for 10% off your first three months to try Story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. So I don't pretend to know basketball. I did play up until like eighth grade, and then I, then I stopped being able to play anymore. I got what I jokingly refer to as severe white boy disease. I was not able to dribble anymore. I was able to do it. When white men can't jump, I was definitely that guy that couldn't do it anymore. But I can imagine a coach being able to say to someone, hey, the perspective is your right foot is turned the wrong direction. Where the guy that's in tunnel vision looking at, he's making that pivot to make a jump shot or whatever, he, he's not, he doesn't understand that his right foot's just maybe two degrees or 10 degrees off where a coach can go, hey, if you just move that, that's the same thing about a business coach too. A business coach can look at, hey, you know, my company only ever did 10 million. Your company's doing 100. I'm going to coach you. But you know, this one thing, if you just turn this one thing, but from the outside looking in, the $100 million guy, look at the $10 million guy, go, well, what can you teach me, dude? I've 10X what you did. Well, all I can tell you is that you got your right foot turned a little too far in the business terms, you know. So there's this idea of humility that you've got to be able to be coachable and open to that. But then there also that coach has to have that the coach provides accountability. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm going to put a pin in the accountability because you just said something so insightful there. And it reminded me of a phrase that uh, a coaching friend and mentor said to me once. And he said, you can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. Uh-huh. And that really speaks to the the tunnel vision. You know, it, it's hard for us to see outside of, of what's directly in front of us. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, that's why that's so important to be able to have someone on the outside being able to share that type of perspective. Um, I'm glad you pulled on the thread of accountability because that is kind of the, the third pillar that, that a coach can offer. I mean, they give you their expertise and their experience. Um, you know, they help you see blind spots, but then the third pillar is accountability. And I'm a huge believer that accountability is a gift. That, that holding someone accountable to a high standard of excellence is the best gift you can give them, you know, and it doesn't matter what the relationship is. This could be spouse to spouse, parent to child, coach to, you know, player, a teacher to student, friend to friend, business owner to business owner, boss to employee. It doesn't matter what the relationship is. Holding someone accountable to a high standard of excellence is a gift because in essence, what you're telling that person is I care so much about you and I care so much about us that I'm not going to let you slide by doing less than you're capable of. I'm not going to let you slide by violating our core values or our standards of excellence. I care so much about you that I'm going to hold you to the fire. And oftentimes in the moment um, when we're the ones receiving the accountability, uh, it, it can often, you know, it feels more like a punishment. But if you, you have the humility, that word again, to step back and look at the big picture, when someone holds you accountable, they're doing you a favor. And I really work hard in my life to surround myself and insulate myself with people that hold me to a very high standard of excellence and hold me accountable and call me out when I don't live up to it, which certainly happens because I'm, I'm fallible, I'm flawed, just like every human being watching or listening to this right now, um, we're not perfect. And, and I don't think we should aim for perfection. I think we should be aiming for consistent progress. I'm a big progress over perfection guy, and I'm always looking for incremental, systematic progress. And the way that we do that is by having people hold us accountable. Well, that it, this, it, this is funny because it all goes back to, and I'll probably end up naming this episode at some point. We're going to name it something about humility because I think the key here 
is this humility because humility allows you to see things you wouldn't be able to see. It allows you to have someone hold you accountable to, to, to perform at a higher level than you would have been able to perform on your own. So it really comes back to this opportunity that we all have to do some introspection in business or coach or, or sports, whatever it is. Say, you know, I probably don't know some stuff <laughs> and I probably need to hire somebody to come in. And I love that you talked about hiring a money coach and a perform your performance coach and hiring a speaking coach and a writing coach. I think coaching is, you, you can't imagine Kobe Bryant at, at his height, LeBron at his height, uh, you know, anybody in the football world, anybody in golf world, not having a coach, it would be insane to even consider the possibility of Tiger Woods showing up for a master's and not having a coach show him to prepare. It's ridiculous to think, even though the coach could never play at his level, we've got to have coaches in business. We've got to have this. So, so I want to ask you a little bit, uh, Alan, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about what a performance coach is, what you did with your clients. And then once we get past that, I want to kind of finish the show with talking about how you made that transition into keynote keynoting. And then we're going to finish with, talking about success, which is your thing, success simplified. Well, when I was in the basketball performance space, my job was to help players elevate everything except for the actual skills of the game. So I never taught shooting, passing, rebounding, defending, handling the ball, setting screens, you know, X's and O's. That was left to their basketball coaches and their skills coaches. My job was to improve their physical bodies and athleticism and their mind, their approach, their mindset, and so forth. So my goal was to help broaden the, the, the base of the foundation <clears throat> to which everything else was built. When I made the leap over to the corporate space, it's the exact same thing. I don't teach people, you know, specific sales strategies. What I do is I teach them how to show up consistently as the best version of themselves, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, if that's appropriate to them, so that they can then apply that specific sales strategy to become a world-class sales professional. So um, I still look at my job as a performance coach as being the guy that helps set the foundation to which the rest of the house is built. So now let's talk about how you transition into keynoting. So you were doing performance coaching in the NBA for some of the top level guys. We talked about, you know, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, all these guys that you worked with. But then you made a decision to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go full, full-time keynoting. What was that like and why did you make that decision? Well, it goes back to what we talked about very early in the conversation about passion and purpose. Uh, in full transparency, I started to get burnt out uh, on the, the, the basketball training component of it. You know, I, I found myself less fascinated with being in the weight room and being on the court in sets and reps and exercises. And I found myself much more fascinated by the concepts you and I are talking about now, you know, things that have to do with leadership and communication and building culture and, and humility and accountability. So uh, I decided that it was just time for a change. You know, it was time for me to, to, to embrace a new challenge. It was time for me to try and serve a new audience that would be much bigger than the, you know, the, the basketball specific audience. And I decided to, to make a leap over to the corporate space. And, you know, one of the things that, that I really leaned into, and this also dovetails off of what we were talking about earlier when we said, you know, that a Phil Jackson didn't quite have the expertise uh, of a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan, but he still had value to add. I took that in a, a slightly different direction when I went to the corporate space because I understood one of the major objections to someone hiring me 
was the obvious elephant in the room, which was I've never had a corporate job in my entire life. <laughs> so how am I going to walk into a room full of lifetime corporate execs and have anything to offer a value to them? And I was able to, and I believe this with every ounce of my being, spin that in the direction of that's exactly why you need to bring me in because you're going to get it in a completely fresh perspective, a completely new approach. I'm going to share general principles that I know work with all high performers and teach you how to specifically apply those, you know, to your industry and your craft and your business. But I'm not tainted by, well, this is the way it's always been done. You know, I'm not with the blinders on of, well, this is the way the corporate world works. You have to do it this way. I wasn't encumbered by any of that. I could come in with a fresh and a completely fresh perspective and approach. And thankfully, a lot of groups uh, very much understood that. And and now that I've been in the corporate space for six years, I feel very confident that I can blend both. You know, I still have the fresh perspective of someone that's never had a corporate job, but now I have learned so much from the corporate clients I've worked with over the last six years. I do have case studies, if you will, of, of things that can apply to the businesses that I work with now moving forward. So, you know, it's been a very interesting journey, but I'm, I'm loving where I am at present and even more excited and optimistic about the direction that I'm headed. Yeah, well, you've, uh, I mean, if you go to your website, which is allensteinjr.com, and you look at the people that you worked with, it's a significant list of people. So I would encourage the listeners to go check it out. Alan Stein, that's S-T-I-N. Well, let's spell the whole thing because Alan can be spelled a whole lot of different ways. A-L-A-N-S-T-E-I-N-J-R, allensteinjr.com. Go check him out. I mean, his, I'm looking at it right now. I've got it pulled up. I mean, the, his past clients have you got... Uh, UGG, Pepsi, Charles Schwab, Orange Theory, Star Orange Theory, Starbucks, American Express, Penn State, Spotify, the Sm JM Smucker Company. I mean, these are these are no these are no slouches. So you, with no corporate experience, went in there and did something good enough for them to go, "Dang, this dude's good. Let's let's bring him. Let's bring him in. And let him talk." Oh, thanks. Now let's 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 segue into our final segment of the show, and let's talk about specifically success. Because after all, this is the root of all success. You've had a lot of success coaching. Um, coaching high-level players in the NBA. You've had a lot of success now working with people in the corporate world. You've had a lot of success in the keynote stages. So what is that one key? If you had to take everything you've been able to accomplish or that you've noticed people in the success world who have been successful, what's one key to success? The number one key for me is the lesson that I learned from Kobe Bryant back in 2007. And that was the best never get bored with the basics. Uh, to me, the foundation of success in any area of life is a relentless commitment to mastering the fundamentals during the unseen hours. And if, if you can focus on the, the major pillars, the basics, the fundamentals that once again, I've said this several times, but that's how you broaden the foundation to which everything else is built. So to me, the one thing is having the humility to not skip the basics or leave the basics, but to focus on the fundamentals of your specific craft, industry, or business. There it is again. That's a humility coming back up again. This is the theme. Well, now, what would you say is your Allen Stein Jr.'s personal definition of that word success? For me, success is simply doing something that you love with people that you love and being of service to others. Um, you know, I, I guess a more broader definition, I look at success as being very synonymous with the word fulfillment. I believe that anyone that is deriving fulfillment in what it is that they do, by my definition, they are successful. You know, I don't use many of the 
you know, the external metrics that, that I do believe most of society has been brainwashed into thinking that success is about a certain title, uh, about a certain income, <clears throat> about a certain position or, or other accolades um, or, or some of those finer trappings. That can be a part of it. And there's nothing wrong with wanting those things or achieving those things. But for me, uh, I want to be able to define my own success and I want success to be something that comes from the inside out not the outside in. So as long as I'm doing work that, that I enjoy, that I feel is in service of other people, that I you know, derive fulfillment from, then to me, that, that is living a successful life. So by that definition of doing something that brings fulfillment, doing something you love with people you love, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? Absolutely. And I know that is oftentimes an off-putting statement because at face value, it appears to lack the humility that we've been talking about this entire time, but I don't believe that. I think the most important component and one of the reasons I'm, I'm so attracted to you and your show and this entire approach is that each of us has the right to define success for ourselves. It's not for me to define success for Kobe Bryant, Brad Lee, Grant Cardone, Phil Jackson, or anyone else that we've talked about. They have the right to define it however they want. And, and, and I sleep fine at night with absolutely no judgment on how other people choose to define success. But I also will never allow someone to define my success for me. And I know that through having fallen into that trap myself for the first three decades of my life, I thought I was you know, kind of blindfolded, just taking stabs in the dark at what everyone else said was considered success. And, and instead of just defining it for myself, you know, I, at present, I'm an amicably divorced father of three. I've got 13 year old twin sons and 11 year old daughter that I get to spend great time with and have a great connection with. I put a tremendous amount into my own self care. So at almost 48 years old, I'm as physically, mentally, and emotionally fit as I've ever been. And I have a vocation that I make a very good living doing, but I absolutely love it. There's no place I'd rather be aside from with my children, than on stage in front of an audience sharing something I'm passionate about. And, you know, uh, I feel that I'm doing something that is contributing and is of service to others. So if you loop all of those things together, that is why I'm, I'm in my sweet spot right now. I'm in my strength zone. I'm gaining momentum. And I can say with a huge smile, but still laced with humility, I am absolutely successful. I love it. Let's hear it from men in their late forties, dude. I'm right there with you. I'm 48 as well. <laughs> well, all right, let me finish up with this question. So if you want to speak directly to the entrepreneurs that are listening to this show and you said, Hey, if you want to be successful, uh, obviously we've talked about humility. So let's leave that one aside. But what if you said, Hey, this is your one piece of advice from somebody who's been a high level performance coach for high level people. You've been on stages in front of great audiences. You've worked with some of the biggest corporations in the world. What would you tell that entrepreneur sitting in his car, listening to the show or walking his dog or running on the treadmill? What's one piece of advice that Alan Stein Jr. would say, follow this and you'll be successful. Well, I'm actually going to combine a couple things we've shared, but I won't talk about humility. And the reason I'm going to do that is because one of the most, the principles I believe in most is that repetition is not punishment. Repetition is the most effective form of learning and skill and education acquisition on the planet, and that'll never change. So just because you and I have talked about something a few times during this episode, it's not going to hurt for me to say it again. The number one thing I would recommend you do is get crystal clear on the fundamentals and the basics that you need to work towards mastery of. And then I want you to find and hire a coach or a find a mentor or find a teammate or someone that will hold you to a high level of accountability in pursuing that. 
and help you see your blind spots. And if, if you can focus on the basics and fundamentals and have someone that's going to hold you accountable and expose blind spots and you combine those things, you'll absolutely be able to achieve whatever it is you're going after. All right. I'm going to give you a minute to, to brag a little bit, tell everybody how to, you know, we've got two books on the, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's two books behind him on the, on the shelves. One is raise your game. One is sustain your game. Tell everybody a little bit about those books, where to find them. And then we'll finish up with how to get in touch with you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you teeing up the website earlier. That is the main hub of everything that I have going on. And that's just allensteinjr.com. I'm also very easily found and very responsive and accessible on social media at Alan Stein Jr. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And the two books that you were kind enough to reference, uh, Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game, are easily found on Am uh, Amazon or Audible or wherever you like to get your books and, and audio books. Um, and yeah, I, I had so much fun with this conversation. Uh, if anyone listening or watching, if you have a, a question or you have something you want to share or you just want to join the discussion with Jason and I, please shoot me a DM uh, on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm very good about getting back to folks and, and, and would love to, to keep this discussion going. But this was a lot of fun. I really respect and admire the work you're doing and, and love your show. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate it, man. So you guys can reach out to him on Instagram, on Twitter or X. As, I don't know. I'm not a Twitter guy anyway, so I don't know what they're calling it, X or Twitter, if they're interchangeable. But Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, just Look up Alan Stein Jr. It's A-L-A-N-S-T-E-I-N-J-R. Look up him on any of those platforms. Follow him. And is one of your, you got two 13-year-old twins, right, sons? Is one named Frank with a middle name that starts with an N? Because that would be so funny. That would be funny. No, they're Luke and Jack and Lila, but I've, I've heard the Frankenstein joke since I was a kid. And, and it's, still a, it's still a great dad joke to this day. <laughs> it is. Well, that's what us guys in our late 40s, that's what we're going to do, man. We, we're, we're embracing the dad jokes, the dad bods, the whole thing. We got we to gotta embrace it while we can. I love it. Alan, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Congrats on all your success. And uh, I wish you the best in the future. Thank you, Jason. Well, there you have it. Another successful person, an entrepreneur, telling you a little bit about his story to success. And as you can see, one of the keys to success is this idea of humility. What does humility have to do with success? And I think it boils down to the thing that we talked about early on in the show is that this law of humility is that your level of ability has to be exceeded by your level of humility if you want to succeed. So I want you to think about whatever your ability, if your ability is level seven out of 10, you know, whatever it is that you do and your ability is a seven out of 10, then your humility has to be an eight out of 10 in that, in that particular thing. Because if it's not, if your humility is less than that, if your humility is a six, your ability is going to be drowned out by your lack of humility and people aren't going to want to work with you. And that is also, that's a, always a very fine line to walk but it's something to consider. And the weird thing about humility is that being humble, the problem is once you think you are, well, you're not because that defeats the idea of what humility. But I, I think what Alan said was really, really clever. He said, humility is not really thinking, uh, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Uh, and think about those, that little play on words. It's not about thinking uh, less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So this idea of humility and coachability is really, really important. If you haven't hired a coach, then you're doing it wrong. Your humility has not exceeded your ability. You've got to get a coach on your team. 
It could be a business coach, a mindset coach, a money coach, whatever it is that you need. There's a plethora of people to choose from out there. Of course, I'm a coach and I would be honored for you to reach out to me and see if we could work together. And you could go to my website, therealjasonduncan.com and apply to have a call with me about coaching. But I'm certainly not the only coach out there. I'm one of the best, but I'm not the only one out there. You've got to be able to go find somebody to coach you through that next thing. If you're trying to do this on your own because you're trying to save a couple of bucks or you think you've got it all figured out, you're never going to perform at a high level. If Kobe Bryant, if LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, any of these guys ever said, you know what, I'm one of the best players in the world. I don't need a coach. They're going to stagnate. They're going to hit that limit and they're never going to exceed it. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you stagnated as a business owner. Maybe you've hit that certain level. Maybe you're at 2 million. You, you always wanted to have a couple million dollar company. But you can't figure out how to get to four. Maybe you're at five. You can't figure out how to get to 10. Maybe you're at 10. Can't have to figure out how to get to 50. It might have something to do with your humility. So I invite you to take a look at hiring a coach. Um, obviously, if you want to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash coaching, you can read about what I do. I work with very high level entrepreneurs. If you're a male entrepreneur doing between three and $10 million or more, you know, I'm, I'm interested in working with you on how to get out of the weeds of daily operations to get past that level of stagnation, to take your business to the next level. But the kicker is I teach you how to exit without exiting, which is how to do all that without requiring more of your time. How do you get more money, more freedom without spending more time? That's the kicker. So thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate you responding by leaving a review on any of the platforms, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to this. Thank you for subscribing. Both of those activities actually help get my show in front of more people. And I would appreciate if you did that. So please tune in again next time when I talk with yet another very successful person about his or her journey to success and, and get some more keys on how you too can tap into the root of all success. Until next time, I am the real Jason Duncan. And as always, Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.